When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Well, it's Thursday, and that can only mean one thing. It's episode 104 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Joined in... I was doing so good until I get to the second sentence. That was, yeah, that, that one whole sentence I know, I sounded really, really good. good. I'm going to really put that good. on my sizzle reel. Okay. Uh, in studio with us today is... Melissa Bernard. Andy Brat Bernard. And special guest... Reverend Dana Faith Strandy. And last that, and least... Somebody... <laughs> we'll be right back <laughs> after that. these exciting announcements. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. I'd like to point out that I've never liked Doug. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Everybody always knows it's true. They already know it's true. No big deal. My good friend Reverend Dana is back for a second tour of duty on the uh, car selling secrets, and, and it's and it's the well. There's a lot of reasons that I invited you back, but one was I got an email from a listener. And it wasn't that long ago, maybe a couple months ago. And he goes, I keep listening to that episode when you had your friend, yeah. the Episcopal priest, on. You should get her back. I'm like, yeah, we should. So before we get to really important topics, I do have something I want to ask you. Dana is not in, in an unusual club and that she's super nervous to come on the podcast because of you. What oh. is it about Tom that's so terrifying? Come on, get it out there. Wow. People with nerves of steel crumble nerves like little babies steel. when they say... What's he going to ask me? Well, it's 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 that he's a legend. Let's oh, start no. there. Here we, 
my son just looked at me like, oh, God. And he just looked at me like, No, oh. I did call him God. I did say he was a legend, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little strong. It's, yeah, that might be a little strong. No, he went, oh, God, like, oh, please, God. Don't, I don't want to hear any more. That's why. Oh, I, I thought maybe he was referring to you. No, no, that... no, 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 no. That's the last thing Andy would say. Ah, uh, that's probably true. Yes, it is. I, I, I see, I did not know until the last couple of years that I, I actually present myself in a very aggressive manner, and I don't know that I do that, but apparently I do. Did, you don't see it that way, do I you? I don't at all, but, but that's because no. we're friends and I've known you a long time. And... Well, that's true. That's true, but apparently I just I get this look on my face like, how'd you like me to slit your throat? See, or I don't think it's <laughs> I don't that. I, I, I Personally, I think it's because you know a lot of people have grown up listening to you on the yeah, radio. Oh, and absolutely. You, you have a special yeah. place, and but to actually meet... Tom Bernard is like this big deal, and 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 if you if you know Tom, uh, and you're not a family member, you invariably get this question: well, "What's he really like?" Oh yeah, what's he really? Yeah, that's true. And I tell I people he's a total asshole, and we're not even friends. He's much worse than you'd think. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Well, it is a legacy when you drive to work in the morning, or you get up and you spend it listening to you, and um, you get to to be in the same room. You know what's amazing about that, Dane, is the fact that I literally am going through a situation where, like, we we're talking about my wife and her, her father's 95, and therefore she sees, you know, the future's not going to be a long future, and I can't help her with that, which does bother me quite a bit. Don't mm-hmm. you think? I know it does. And then there's that other part of that, the fact that, and, and I, I don't think I'm talking out of school because everybody knows it, um... Radio might only last about five more years, and then it's just going to go away. There's no doubt about it. Five, maybe six. Maybe morning shows will go ten because the morning shows are the ones that are kind of holding on to it. But it makes me very sad that I dreamt from the time I was 14 years old of becoming a, a, a radio guy. That's what I wanted to do. I heard my mother being interviewed on KDWB by Sam Sherwood trying to get a hold of my brother who was in Vietnam mm-hmm. at the time and I went that's what I want to do for a living I want, I never, I want to you never told me that story. I never told you that story no. yeah I was at Cleveland Park in North Minneapolis right there on Lowry Avenue right behind it used to be Cleveland School now I think it's a post office mm-hmm. but um, I, the guy says hey your mother's on the radio I went what I said yeah your mother's on the radio and I said I listen to the radio and Sam Sherwood was talking to my mother trying to get a hold of my brother who was in the United States Marine Corps in Vietnam they never did find him but I thought my mother's voice was going to be like talking to my brother who's in Vietnam. That's what I want to do when I grow up, you know? And now I'm five, six years away. I have like almost six years left of my contract, and that's probably going to be it because radio is just not going to be around anymore. And it uh, does we'll make be me podcasting sad. together in our Yeah, 90s. we'll be podcasting, but the radio part will be gone. Yeah. Television already is, man. Broadcast television. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. My daughters are really looking forward to doing some b- podcasts themselves. And so well, I do cool think good. there's lots of change, but I love that yeah. you've been living your dream. I have my whole life, literally from the time I was, uh, I was 17 years old. There's no doubt of it. It was one I went, I went to, uh, to Brown Institute on the WIND program, which was for, you know, really, really poor children. They give you an education. And boy, that was a not well spent. So you had a socialist uh, education? No, it was money not well spent, actually. Because, well, let me, I might have had an attitude when I was no. 17, 18 years Stop. old. It's a possibility. Well, I went to school one day. And by the way, let me, let me add this before I talk about the tie that I'm about to talk about. I've noticed walking through all the buildings around here, you notice that people over like, 55 are wearing masks and nobody under that. Yeah, pretty much. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not. They will not wear the mask. Well, statistically, if you're over 55, you're the one who should be wearing a mask. So I suppose, you but younger people are. And I don't care. Don't get me wrong. I, you don't want to wear a mask. I don't care. I don't think masks do any good anyway. I really, I really do. Yeah, you think they flip do flopping on that too? No, you do, or they? Do? I no, they do. <laughs> yeah, they, they do, don't. Yeah. It, it's it does work. It doesn't work. It yeah, works a little yeah. bit. It works a lot. Who knows? I think it's a numbers game. I, I, I don't know probably, the answer. I'm a used car salesman. True. I don't think it makes things worse. Let's just say that. No, it doesn't make it worse, but it doesn't do it. The only thing I worry about with shoving it on the little kids, I don't know they should be breathing in cotton fiber. You know, our lungs are fully developed. Hey, Theirs we are not. breathing in mom's cigarettes, and we made it. 
Cigarettes and asbestos? Yeah. That's Uh-oh. true. How about the fabulous car trips without air conditioning, the windows up, and mom and dad are both smoking? Right. Exactly. Thank you. Well, cars, I, can, no I still remember in the 90s, no exactly. you know, you turn on a car in the winter and the entire city block is covered in exhaust. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. But yeah, I, so I think a little cotton fiber yeah. and it'll be, it'll be I okay. I suppose you're probably and if, right. Here's why I think that they probably, something was effective outside of COVID. So... And I've asked this question to a lot of people. Part of it had to do with the social isolation last winter being locked down, like most of us were, mm-hmm. and mask wearing. But I haven't had a cold in a year and a half. Most I people either. I know haven't. I, have I used to yeah. get, nope. when I smoked, I'd get nine a year. And when I quit smoking 11 years ago, I'd get two or three. Yeah, no, um, none. So there's a reason for that. It's not like... Uh, the people globalist. are finally paying attention to their health and germs. Yeah. They're washing right. their hands, yeah. and they're not, you know, yeah. like sneezing on so doorknobs. I don't know what percentage of that is through mask usage, but it, there, there ha- there's obviously some there's, correlation. Yeah, there's no way to tell. But I definitely, I don't, I don't think they do anything in regards to the actual virus. But definitely, I feel healthier since I've been wearing masks regularly yeah. because really? if I don't end up getting a chance to wash my hands and I touch my face, that's how you get a cold, right? Yeah. So, so it's right know. on your face, a mask isn't going to help right. you. Right. So it's kind of like, it's more about protecting yourself from yourself rather than other people. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely feel like they've helped keep me from getting sick. Really? Most of the, yeah, absolutely. Well, I get a cold maybe every five years whereas, at most. Yeah, whereas and, I get one every year. But that's because I wash but my I hands haven't. a lot, and I really pay attention to when I touch things. You know, if I touch a doorknob, I'm not going to be touching food until I wash my hands. What yes. happened to the flu? That's what I want to know. Where did it go? <laughs> well, it's the same thing. Just gone. Yeah. It's flu the is same gone thing. This year. People have been mitigating their risks. Yeah. yeah As it turns true. out, not living like a disgusting person means less disease. Who would have thought? Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, Tell I mean, them like it is. To be fair, Andy is the most obsessed about clean cleanliness in the world. Clean I'm so pathological, oh. but yes. Yes. Well, I think it is pathological. He's, he's very... <laughs> oh, well, okay. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, right. the first thing he does... Every day when we get home from anywhere, wash your hands. Is wash his hands. Why not? Doesn't matter. That's a great practice. It is yeah, exactly, it is. and but I never like, get sick. But like for me, my mind had never been there, and now I'm following suit for the most part. Like I still don't do it as much as he does, but I've paid attention to his behavior, and I've kind of copied it because it's like he's right. I mean, but what I love about sick. that is Andy's making that choice not right. out of fear. He just does it. He just does it. He does it out of care for right. himself. Yeah. Fear's a great thing that, like, you know, gives serves as a warning. Right. right? Yeah, but it's but not a place live to live. Fear. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to no, live in true. fear. There's nothing yeah. healthy about that. Oh, do you mind if I ask her a question? <laughs> I was hoping you would. See, you sh- last week we got into some phil- philosophical discussion about higher powers and stuff, and I said, Which is what oh, yeah, that's right. next week? Oh, Stop. that's right. Yeah, that's right. We put it on hold. But do you mind if I do? No, go. Okay, so here's, here's the problem that I do, particularly right now. Wait a minute. I changed my mind. Shut up. No. I, <laughs> I'm going to blame you for all of it. Okay. That's going to be phenomenal. No, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school until I was in eighth grade. My mother was a very religious person. My grandmother, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That's her knocking on the door right now. Yep. <laughs> but here's what I don't understand. We're in a, in, a, in a culture right now where if I don't believe what you believe, then you suck and get away from me. I don't understand why... Look. I know there's something a lot bigger than me in the world. There's no doubt about that, mm-hmm. right? I'm not the biggest thing that ever happened in the world. So why is it not okay to me, for me to believe that it might be a God of any form, right? doesn't matter if God is God. It's not my choice what God looks like, right? Why am I a bad guy and I'm weak-minded and I'm <clears throat> stupid because I believe there may be a God? How hmm. do they get there? I don't know how folks got to that place, but I think that, you know, this idea that we as human beings, um, you know, we don't have it all. We don't have it all together. And when we think we do, we live with this illusion that we can understand it all. And truth is, we can't. We just can't understand it all. God's mind is 
something that we can't comprehend. I agree with you. For me, it's it's an obvious thing that yeah. there is this universal power, this universal life force, this something that all of us aspire to, which is relationships. And they only mm-hmm. come about because of compassion and love. What gets in the way is when people are too concerned about, are you doing it right? Yeah, Instead right, of, right. am I yeah. doing it right? right? Am I building that connection that I need to build to fill my life, my soul, um, my heart in a way that I can be effective, like I can have the dream when I'm 14 years old and become the radio host that I wanted that I want to be. Exactly the point. That's right. Exactly right. Look what happened. I mean, I, I never finished high school. I went to college for one day. Uh, yeah, I grew up very, very poor. Got evicted constantly. My life. I met the greatest woman in the world. Have great children. Have great grandchildren. Wonderful friends. My coworkers like Doug suck, but. I had to throw you into the I, bus. I was at some listening, point. and you can case that was a test. <laughs> I, I know just, you don't really mean that, so it's okay. Go on. Doug and I are very good friends, man. Nope. But I, I just, I, what I don't understand about that whole thing is, no, no matter what form my God is, you don't like it. I don't understand people like that. Why? I don't, why? I don't understand people like that either. And um, I think that there's just over propensity to just be right. Yeah, you oh, know, that's true. but yeah. what good does that serve? It clearly serves no good. And so to understand, as I do, that there's one God and there are many different ways that God has provided for God's people through different centuries and different cultures, ways for God's people to be in relationship with each other and with this universal life force of love. Mm-hmm. And for me, Christianity works. I have a very good yeah. couple of very good friends who are not Christian. They're of other world religions, as well as other Christians who are just of other denominations. Mm-hmm. I live in a household where some in our household are Catholic and some in our household are Episcopalian. Right. That's so, the same thing anyway. Yeah. So I just grow up with the idea of, you know, same God, different building. Yeah, that's it's just not See, that I big a deal. like cell phone service. It's like he can have mm-hmm. T-Mobile goes to or the Verizon place, yeah. or AT&T, it doesn't but matter. you're just communicating with you're each just other. Communicating. That's, true. Oh, that's a good that's point. That's true. I like that. Well, does that hold point. true outside of Abrahamic religions, though? So, like, do you think that, technically speaking, the Hindus and the Christians are worshiping the same God, just in different aspects? Well, if you're asking me personally, I would say yes, I do believe that it is the same this the same universal power of love and light of compassion and healing of presence um i don't think god gets roped in by Ab- no. by uh, the fact that he had a guy named abraham who was pretty amazing mm-hmm. and three religions came about abraham but the religions and his are wife t- sarah yeah. <laughs> who gave birth when she was 100 like, yeah 100 years yeah. old so wonderful tools all all wonderful avenues right and every person probably is drawn to an avenue that most feeds their heart and that most brings about other life in the world. And I don't mean just life as in a child. I mean, like I think about you, Tom, and I think about, you know, I have some nights that are hard nights. I wake up in the morning and I might be feeling a little like, oh, it's another day and I don't know how I'm really going to face right, this one. Right. But then there's your voice oh. and it's a part of a ritual. It's a go. ritual in my life. And so that then provides like a sense of comfort. And you there just have this that don't dream. Get a lot of comfort. I know, but there's also like there's also like, you know, I get to I get to argue with you by myself. Yeah, in the bathroom, that's true. That's true. And I get to laugh at some of the insane things that are said. Yeah, true. absolutely, yes, I agree. I but you know, you need like that comfort, that part of a daily ritual. And I don't know if you know that you give that to people because you followed That's your very dream. Kind of you. That is very kind of you. You know what locked me into God forever? And I'm not making no, this No, tell up. me. I want to know. This is a true story because I grew up Catholic and my mother was very religious. and Not that they're like punishing religious. It was all right. about loving God, not about punishing people, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Well, what locked me in forever is I went and saw the movie uh, Caddyshack. And in the movie Caddyshack, there's a Roman Catholic bishop who hmm. likes to drink. And I do remember the priest at uh, my church, St. Joseph's and St. Anne's, liked to have a cocktail. And I was locked in to a belief in God forever when, <laughs> when his caddy turns him because it's just lightning and thunder and pouring rain. He goes, oh, we, uh, I tell you what, I pray to God we don't get hit by lightning. And the bishop goes, 
There is no God. I thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. And it locked me into God forever. I'm like, I now believe in God forever because we have a sense of humor. We have a sense yeah. of humor about it. You well, know? isn't that marvelous? Like, you know, so this power has this ability to bring us together through Caddyshack. Through like Caddyshack. all four. Yep. I, I will tell you Love one of it. the things, and I went to Sunday school and grew, grew up in a traditional Christian household, but the thing that made me think about what life was like 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem oh. was the life of Brian. I mean, I've watched Phenomenal. that movie four or five times. It's hysterically funny, but you also go, it's probably kind of what it was like because people generally are kind of stupid, right? The sandal story? Is <laughs> yeah, that well, one yeah. of the greatest yeah. things of all time? You guys know the sandal story in, in, in the movie? There's a sandal in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, because Brian's running away from the yes, mob. exactly. He's running away from the mob. One of the men picks it up and holds the sandal up and goes, this is the sandal of the Messiah. Messiah. And I should know because I've followed a few. (laughs) (laughs) See, now that's what, if there's a sense of humor about politics or religion or all of these things, it's much easier on me. If I can laugh along with religion or politics or whatever, I'm great. Yeah, why should there be? Because humor is like, Ah, that. that, isn't that an outflowing of joy? Yeah, exactly. And joy comes from that deep part within ourselves when we feel connected and centered. All the jo- and every religion has their God jokes. Every one of remember the, the, the Catholic priest and a Jew were walking down the street, and they said, "Hey, now how do you decide how much money that you you, you know set aside to as a tribute to the to God?" Tithing. The tithing. Yeah. Yeah, yes, tithing exactly. And the priest goes, "Oh, I just we get it all." So how about you, Rabbi? Uh, Rabbi? He goes, well, I take the money, and I throw it up in the air, and whatever God grabs is his, and I get the rest. <laughs> See, you know, it's anti-Semitic as hell, but not in a bad way, in the, in the fact that I was told that joke by every yeshiva boy in my neighborhood growing up. I, I just love that there's a sense of humor about religion. Well, there has to be. So, there like has your, hol- to be. your holy exactly. water, for instance. Yes. Like my girls have asked my husband about. Well, exactly. How do you make holy water? And of course, his first response is, you know, you boil the hell out of it. <laughs> See, that's no, we got another one. I love <laughs> it. Mike scores a, a point. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. A point. But yeah, there has to be some humor in all of it. I didn't. We didn't have the very judgmental priests and nuns when I was at St. Joseph's. They were not. They were just, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's. It's a very poor neighborhood, so that mm-hmm. probably had something to do with it. They were there to serve the, you know, the poor. And I, um, I loved going to Catholic school. I thought it was terrific. I well, I don't get the whole judge thing anyway because no, I don't it either. doesn't. It just doesn't serve anything. And. Um, to be who you are and to show up authentically as you, I think that's maybe the work that I'm cut out for is to help yeah. people be authentically themselves and authentically connected to something greater than them. And judging, there's just, you know, as, as one of my students said to me after about a 20-minute, you know, dissertation, I gave this group of confirmation kids about, uh, you know, what, what the whole Jesus story is. He said, oh, so really what you're just saying is love more and judge less. I'm like, oh, okay, you could have saved me 19 minutes and 45 seconds. Shout out That'd to be Adam. a great sermon, wouldn't it be? Love more, judge less, mic drop, boom. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> right, Come on up go. here. Good to go. Time for the bread and the body. How are we doing with that? Are people, I, I made a prediction about a year ago that this whole COVID situation and the and what it's, what's happened to the woke people and all the rest of it, I think people are going to turn to religion again because they're not going to be able to stand this. They're not going to be able to take it much longer without somebody watching their back. And if that has to be God, then that has to be God. People, I, I can't believe some of the things people are doing to one another right now. I mean, completely. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of yeah. pain being acted out upon other people. Yeah, I mean, let's say, let's say somebody goes after me. Well, they're going after Andy and Melissa and Catherine That's and Dan right. and Alex. They're going after all of us. They're going to ruin everybody's life, right? right? They haven't, thank God. They tried at certain times, but it never worked. But I just don't understand. I couldn't go, like, like let's say the three of you are all in the same family. 
I can't go after you because he and she get hurt as well. That's right. I can't. You, there's no way I could do that. How do they get that in their head that that's okay to do? I think because people think that people forget that we are all intimately connected. Yeah. And even someone who doesn't think the way or look or experience their sexuality the same way I do, um, it leaves those folks sometimes, I think, to think that that they may might mistake themselves for God. There's this illusion oh, well, that we're in control. And uh, you break through that illusion of control. Lots of things can help you do that. You know, you lose a job. You realize, oh, I'm not as in control of my life as maybe I thought I was. Right. Right. Or you have a child become very sick. And again, there's this great illusion around control. And I think that might be, you know, a great example of idolatry is to think that we can control things and that we confuse ourselves with you know the great spirit and so i think that that there are always a chance and an opportunity for us to think about that connection but i think a lot of people in um a culture that really solidifies um being an individual and i can do it by myself and we you know it's a culture that thinks about individuality more than it thinks about community do you think god ever thinks i kind of might have messed up giving him the free will thing (laughs) <laughs> we'll be yeah, right back after this break. We get a, we'll Ooh, get a we couple announcements. By. We'll be right back with more talk with my good friend, Reverend Dana. I love it. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Hey, it's Tom again for my good friends at Profile. You've heard me talk about the terrific experience I've had working with my profile health coach, Danette, Dan Kelly. It's not just because I've lost weight and kept it off. It's because there's so much more to losing weight than simply stepping on a scale. Profile makes sure I'm in it for the long haul. It's about getting to your goal and staying there. That's why Profile provides members like me so many great tools to keep it off like monthly health seminars, 3D body scans, an exercise app, a terrific podcast, cookbooks, and so much more. Matter of fact, I'm going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Can't say enough about Profile. It's changed my life, and it can change yours, too. Profile has six metro locations, as well as Mankato, St. Cloud, and Rochester. Make today the day you call them or visit ProfilePlan.com for a location near you. That's ProfilePlan.com. Oh, and mention promo code KQRS for a special discount. ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. Priority Courier Experts does not have the largest inventory of lease-to-own trucks anymore. Hold on now. Anymore. All right, fill me in. Pat, who in town buys brand new trucks and immediately puts those rigs into the most honest and ethical lease-to-own program? Priority, that's who. But you said they don't have the largest inventory. Let me spell it out for you. First, Priority orders the finest spec of Kenworth and Freightliner trucks. These rigs cost anywhere between $135,000 to $215,000. That's more than my house. I hope things get better for you, man. Next, a qualified driver sits down with one of Priority's onboarding specialists, reviews the lease-to-own program, and earning potential of partnering with one of the world's largest same-day delivery companies. And shazam! Another partnership is formed, and that driver is on their way to owning that rig in five years or less. That sounds simple. It is that simple. That's why Priority doesn't have the largest inventory of new trucks anymore, because these rigs roll off the lot almost as soon as they arrive. (coughs) Calling all drivers. Take charge of your driving career today. Visit Priority.com or call Robbie, Nick, Chad, or Mike, 651-748-4465, and they'll get you on the road. Priority Courier Experts, every time you call us, we deliver. 
You know, it's like that every time you call us tagline. Yeah, I remember when Steve pulled every truck off the road to hang that tagline on the sides. Hey, Pat, your finger's still on the record button? Dude. Welcome back. During the break, we found out that uh, Melissa was a, a Bible uh, study major in college. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, sure was. Of, before we get back to that conversation, I was thinking about the life of Brian. I saw an interview oh, I with it. Eric Idle, who wrote most of the script, and they were talking about some of the scenes that were deleted, and one of them was Jesus going to the restaurant for the Last Supper, and the waiter going, oh, 13, no, we can do a 7 and a 6. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. See, now that's hilarious. That's really funny. Too bad they cut it out of the movie. Who knows? <laughs> One of my favorite things, again, there's a, a split picture, like, you know, maybe five feet high, three and a half feet wide, and it's cut from corner to corner. And the upper left-hand corner of the painting is a uh, professional football player on one knee with his head bowed, thanking God for scoring a touchdown. And you can see the thank you, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And the lower part of the picture, Jesus has his feet up watching hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fantastic. One of the ba- Do you know what the Babylon Bee is? Oh, I love the Babylon Bee. It's a, a, it's a web page, and it's a little bit conservative-leaning, but it's generally Christian humor. And, yes, and, it is. And uh, one of the captions at Christmas was, Jesus is puzzled as to who the white kid is in the manger scene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so true. That's awesome. That's what that's what religion. What when I went to St. Joe's and St. Anne's, we would laugh about stuff like that. It wasn't always, oh my God, it's straight ahead, and you got to do this again. We had fun with it. We loved it. You know. I have a, a, a slightly serious question. Actually, it's really serious. So, what the hell is the matter with you, Tom? Is that it? No, we'll get to that later. That's a whole. <laughs> we'll that's that that's the third, we'll get third, fourth, and fifth hour. We'll do a Mike Lindell seventy-two hour. Yeah, marathon seventy-two hours in a row. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's this. It's in this country in the political environment that we're in. When Christians are portrayed in the news, they're always the right wing bomb throwers of the yeah, church. That's it's true. Westboro mm-hmm. yep. uh, Baptist Church, which, by the way, the coolest thing I've seen in the year had to do Westboro Baptist. They don't like the Foo Fighters for some reason. They think that what? they're antichrist. Oh yeah, I so saw that. So they're, they're having day. a protest, and what? Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters show up in the back oh, of a flatbed truck and play it. Bee Gees covers. I love it. <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's just like, oh my god, that's, that's great. Just the funniest thing. What did the Foo Fighters do? I, I don't know. This is that Fred. What's his name? Uh, yeah, uh, he just a, just a total wing. What was that guy's name that ran that 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 church? I mean, it's guys like him that drive oh, people Fred away. Phelps. Fred Phelps. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And that's an extreme example, but it's the for, I think Baptist people Church. that aren't don't call themselves Christians. That's their their how they think that most Christians are. Yeah. Right. Is and it, there's I know a lot of liberal Christians. In fact, pretty make a pretty good argument. Oh, Jesus was a liberal, right? The whole last shall be first stuff. I mean, that's kind of the deal. Oh, see, so he lied. Why are they so quiet? <laughs> No, I, I think that I know exactly what you say. My mother was very, very liberal, but she was she could not have been a more faithful Catholic. Yeah, you know, I, there's no question about. It. My family is very liberal, but you know, but these are the people that are quiet, and I don't know why. It's yeah. the, the voice of the Christian Church in America, at, at least in the general population sense, seems to be. Oh, uh, we hate gay people. We hate LGBT. You know, no. everything. It's just See, the worst for the worst. And I don't know why that is. I feel like because I think it's a smaller segment of the population. Yeah, I want to say something, but I want to hear what Melissa has to say about I it. I feel like that's changing a lot. I mean, you're seeing more churches, you know, put up, you know, pride flags and things like that. Yeah. And, and I actually yeah. have quite a few friends mind you i went to a pretty conservative christian college um can you name it is it okay you tell yeah it's um north central university downtown minneapolis um they're pentecostal so they you know believe in all the they're they're actually kind of um i guess a little more crazy when you think of it because they believe in the speaking of tongues and you know being slayed in the spirit yep well not quite that bad i mean they're not on like bethel college or bethel church in 
no California that believes in like you have no control over your body mm-hmm. and like they don't believe in that. But um, why don't I poop my pants then? <laughs> That's a different kind well, it's a of different kind of, Oh, it's different yeah, kind. Different okay, never mind. Um, no, um, but <laughs> no, I have a lot of friends that grew up in that, you know, pretty conservative Pentecostal viewpoint that, you know, go to a pretty liberal Episcopal church and go to pride parades and share Jesus at pride, pride parades. And, like, you know, there's – I think my generation – like the millennial generation is kind of trying to shift that a little bit mm-hmm. um, because it was so for so long. Oh my gosh, you can't believe in Harry Potter. You can't believe in no, like, I know Harry like the crazy things. What Harry I mean, Potter do? Oh, he's that a, was he's all a about witch. Wizardry. He's oh, a wizard. Oh no, the devil. Like I mean, you know, I had uh, growing up, ten years old. I had a lady <laughs> said. You can't read Harry Potter. You're gonna become mm-hmm. part of the Devil's League, and I was like, "What? Devil's League?" Yeah. So there are lots of folks deconstructing yeah. faith yeah. and joining yeah. what's called the evolving faith movement. Yeah. But ideas in terms of liberal or conservative, like those kind of labels, just don't help. No. They don't help me, at least. Right. And so to like authentically be following the way of Jesus, the way Jesus lived, and right. the way Jesus taught, and you know, why aren't those voices heard any louder? I I think it's because they're busy feeding people. Yeah. They're busy doing homeless shelters. Right. They're busy living out what it is that, that they believe. They're they're not the folks that me, you know, might they're not televangelists. But right. what a wonderful opportunity for me to get to be here with you and, you know, do a shout out for, yeah. you know, the Episcopal Church and the fact that it is open and welcoming of everyone to the table because it's not our table. It's it's the table of, of Jesus. It's not my mm-hmm. place to invite people to receive or, or not to receive. It's it's about them and, and their creator and that opportunity to come to that. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great community that's working at living out its faith in really difficult and challenging times. Yeah. I have a funny local story about that. This is probably six years ago. It was your nephew invited Sarah and I to go uh, to church with him at Joan of Arc, which is in South Minneapolis. Mm, and if, if you know anything about this church, you wonder how the diocese lets them exist, but that's so popular they can't. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredibly liberal church and a great music program and so we were kind of excited to check it out. Sarah was a little mortified because it was very different than the Catholic Church that we grew up in. But mm-hmm. the the big service I think is at ten thirty, and they you usually get up you know, eight hundred people. Where is Joan of Arc? There. It's uh, thirty five W, uh, about Forty Second Street and Fifth oh, okay. Avenue, something like that. I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but in that part of South Minneapolis. Okay. So I go there, and the ser- that service is so big; it's in the gym. And right outside, everybody's walking into church. There's a food truck. I'm like, a food truck for a church service? What's wrong with these people? They're terrible. It works for me. In the announcements, one of the priests said, you know, we're going to have a ceremony to bless the food truck. And it's uh, they bought it and built it. And it had signs all over it and in all these different languages. And they go through South Minneapolis and give food away to poor people. I'm like, okay, you're not assholes. Well, you <laughs> change your mind. That's exactly about what it. you were talking Tacos about. Tacos are unleavened bread. So, I mean. Yeah. See? Oh, my gosh. What do you think of that, actually? <laughs> Just a very, very big communion wafer, that's all. I do have to say, out of all of the denominations in Christianity, I probably, now that I'm older and more seasoned, um, I probably would align with Episcopalian the most. Which is really interesting. I mean, when um, I went, started going back to church, I, I just went to an Episcopal church first because right. I was going to be a dad, and I said, I, I've got to reconnect this part of my brain. Right. It was so different than the church I grew yeah. up in. But in other parts of the world, like Africa, for example, it's very, very conservative. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. caused schisms in the church. Really? And, I didn't oh, yeah. know that. Yeah, no, the it's... African Episcopal. Yeah, they've actually, I, you know, well, you could probably tell more about this than I can, but there's been and a movement is just sort of, you know, like the Lutherans split up. Yeah. Huh. Oh, God, yeah. Interesting. But, well, yeah, in the U.S. and in England. And in Eng- um, yeah, because, like, when I studied abroad in England, and obviously the Church of England, <laughs> Church of England, Episcopalian, they're so close. We're, we're cousins. It's like, yeah. 
you know, you're grafted from the same vine. That's right. That's right. Um, so it's like, for in America, there's there are some um, Church of Englands that align with them. What's it called? It's like the American. I don't know. I don't know. English church or something. I don't know. Um, you can get them, but they're very spread out. But um, when I was there, I, I actually found a love for liturgy again. Like, I remember going to a Lutheran church when I was a kid, hating it. Like, boring. Oh, my God, this sucks. It's so boring. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then... Common for most kids, yes. Doesn't matter the denomination. Yeah. <laughs> no, but That's like true. when I was in England, you know, they have the three. They have three different versions of the same church. They have low church, middle right. church, high church. High church is like smells the high, Epis- the high yep. Episcopal church. Is, yeah, exactly. It's basically, no. a Catholic church <laughs> yeah. without a pope. Yeah, exactly. And it's like very rigid, and yep. there's no movement. So I I tested out the mid, the middle and the low and low was like you know going to any church ever they just throw in some liturgy pieces along the way but you know I just I, I found I found that I loved spending you spend more time in the Word like you actually learn more about the Bible in a session at an Episcopal church with a little, they throw in some liturgy and you still have music and you still do all these things, but like, it's not so focused on stage performance. Oh, absolutely. And during this time of, of COVID and, you know, we're doing a hybrid church and we've been, you know, on, you know, broadcasting our service through Facebook and, and YouTube, et cetera. And I keep telling my team, this isn't about production. This is about prayer. And prayer yeah. has to come first every time that we are about doing service. It, right. it can never be about production. And I think there are times where production gets in the way. It I know. It so does. Right. I mean, all these churches that have these big, huge, grandiose I, I have bands musician on stage. friends that play in those, and I just, it, it's not it me. Dri- yeah, it drives me insane. Although, it's as, like as you, somebody that played in church for a long time, I was always torn because you want to, as a musician, you want to do the best you can, but I think you also have to treat it like Little League where everybody right. gets to play. Right. Even if they're insufferable and horrible, it's like, it's okay. That isn't the point of this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I loved in England is at all the churches that had, like, you know, I don't know what the word would be, more bands, I guess, rather than just, like, an organ or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something um, more alternative. Yeah. Um they positioned them all in the back. Yeah. They were never in the front. Because I think in America, specifically with church services, um, they end up, you end up worshiping the people right. on stage. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's and, get that cross out of the way. It'd be a perfect place for the right, drum riser. Yeah. Right. Like, no, so no, 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 I, no. <laughs> I loved that they put them in the back because you still got to enjoy the music you still got to worship there's a little episcopal church in highland park in st paul that does that that the band's up in the choir loft in the back yeah and they were great i mean they were really good i gotta say my favorite thing about the anglican church the church of england is a sunday morning uh podcast at, at canterbury cathedral that you can be a part of every morning and the cat is always there (laughs) <laughs> and the priest that that leads morning prayer, you know, is dressed in a black cassock, very, you know, traditional, usually seated by a table with a beautiful teapot, a bouquet of flowers. And during morning prayer, he sips from his cup of tea and in comes the cat at various mornings, sometimes <laughs> walking onto the table, helping themselves from the out of the cream uh, or just walking in and right. out of the robes yeah and i and so I, I, that hasn't happened in my own particular parish where i serve but i would love nothing more than a church cat, a church cat. <laughs> and you know but and i know lots of places do have pastoral pastoral care dogs as i see you have a uh, support yeah, dog here in the studio dog. as well. Yep, she's supporting. She's supporting, the, she's supporting right now. a lot of people right now by <laughs> sleeping on the chair. But well, she greeted me at the door hey. and. Uh, hey, wake up! She's like, <laughs> Her no, ears twitch. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I, hey, we 
we could uh, we could loan out our cat. She'd greet everybody for you. She sure would. <laughs> Absolutely. Nora yeah. is very social. Mm-hmm. Very Your social. cat's named Nora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a yes. coincidence. It's a good name. Dana's it's my daughter's Dana's name. Oh. We have three cats. My daughter Amara, her most famous cat, she had immortalized into the game World of Warcraft. Blizzard's <laughs> really been in the news lately over something we're not mm-hmm. so happy about. Um, but her cat Jennifer. Um, is a puzzle that she created, and it caused quite a stir in that community for about a year. But in the end, she raised about $11,000 for the type of cancer that she has as a result of, uh, you know, Make-A-Wish, making everything happen. It's quite a story. So you brought it up. How is she doing? Amara's, well, first of all, I just have to say she's amazing. We are running out of options. Oh, God. And uh, she is, you know, uh, this morning I was listening to her play Mozart on the piano, uh, sonnet, I think she said it was 595. Um, Working away at that, she's um, moving into Augsburg University in a couple of weeks, Um, going to uh, study music composition. She wants to write music for uh, video games and movies is what she wants to be composing. And uh, she's got a number of her own compositions that she's a little tiny piece of it is in one of the World of Warcraft games related to this puzzle and her cat, Jennifer. But uh, nothing like living the dream. So that's what she's doing, too, is she's living her life dream. And in the meantime, uh, her story is helping other people. I think that's not she's not wishing she had cancer. She would rather not help people as a result of that. But. So here it is, something that you don't want to have happen in your life, and you've got to find meaning in it, and you've got to um, connect with you know your your source and her spiritual source, and her story does help people have perspective. It does help people keep in mind uh, you know what's most important, and for her, I think she would say. Well, maybe number one, cats, but I think really family. (laughs) She loves cats. cats. My sister, everybody else. Everybody else. There you go. Music's a big thing. Cats, video games, family. (laughs) That came up on the morning show this morning on KQRS. I asked the question, and I'm very serious about this. Again, the cancel culture is involved in this. Mm -hmm. You've got 100 years tops, right? Right. Why do you want to be miserable? I mean, look at what you, you were talking about her. She's making the best of every moment she has. Yes, she does. Why don't we all do that? It's 100 years, it's boom, and you're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's 20, it's 50, it's 100, it's not very long. Why do you want to be miserable that whole time? Makes no sense to me. You know what I mean? I mean, they say, they say living like it's your last day. Yeah. That's really what brings you joy. Because people who, I mean, people who are going through these hardships like this tend to be happier, Mm -hmm. really. I mean, I I have a friend who has, um, what's it called, Lifromeny Oh, Lifromeny. Which means that by 30, she is expected to have cancer, and then after that, just continue to get a new cancer until she dies the type of cell that's supposed to take Um, out cancer cells before they grow isn't really working so well so So the odds of getting cancer repeatedly are very high she got breast cancer at 27 cured now is on a different cancer and just just finished her last round of chemo and she has nothing bad to say like all, all she ever posts on Facebook is how grateful she is for the people who surround her, go. for the friends I, she has, I, for the family she has. I think there's also I reality for some people. I think that's the character of the yeah. person, though. Because I, I, I yeah. have friends that are on both sides of the scale. Some of them are, you know, they're they're the end is coming and they're just miserable. And then that's other true. people like Moon, another radio guy, he's got yeah. MS and cancer and diabetes. Yep. He's in a wheelchair. Yep. He's like the most positive person you'd ever meet. He's a great guy. But I think that's It's true. Yeah. It's definitely your mindset too, but yeah. I think I think the people who tend to be the downers are the people who don't have a good support system. Oh, a support yeah. system has you, has a big, yeah. big part in it, at least for us and, and right. for my daughter. She has a cancer that only teenagers and 20-year-olds contract. 
Really? One in five million people get this cancer, wow. and there's no nor that we know chemo and radiation do not work for this cancer. Um, when she was diagnosed, uh, they told us that it would be a year, and it's been three. It's been three and a half. Really? Um, but she's got a big life mission, and so she's hanging in because of uh, this life mission. This, this she has a greater connection to something mm-hmm. bigger than her. She has something to give. She's connected spiritually. And I think lots of times she's able to be honest and say, I'm really angry with God. And I'm really tired of these phrases like, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Right, like, right. truth is, this is more than I can handle. <laughs> you wrote you know? that on Facebook. I thought, that's really she, you know, She's able to be honest with God. And I right. think that's what we all need is like, yeah. it's, it's not like, you know, Hallmark card or Christian soft memes. It's... It's like it's having a relationship with God means that there are going to be times that you're angry and there are going to be right. times that you're shaking your fist and saying this is unfair. And I've done that and I keep doing that. And Amara's taught me what lament really looks like. Mm-hmm. But she's also taught me what joy really looks like. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's very, very true. I mean, think about your marriage. You know, how often do marriages are always nice and cuddly and cute? I mean, they're not, right? Well, the first couple of weeks are usually pretty good. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, but you have arguments, you have big things right. that you have to discuss and you have to go through. I mean, when you are in a relationship with God, it is, it is that same basic relationship. Yeah, if you can allow yourself and let go of any baggage that you might have gotten mm-hmm. as a child, which a lot of folks have to deconstruct yeah. some of the uh, things that they were taught as children to walk into a more authentic um, relationship that that they can learn to trust their own inner guidance and mm-hmm. not so much look at some other outer religious law, um, but rather their own experience of the spirit. Yep. told this joke when I was a little kid. We only got about a minute left, so I will say this. So Jesus is up on the cross in Calvary, <laughs> right? Mm. He's Here up there. Go. And he looks down at St. Joseph's and he goes, Joey, I can see your house from here. That's how you treat death. Face oh, to face, boy. baby. Oh, gosh. What's wrong with that? I think you need to go back and read a couple of books about what happened. <laughs> he was not in a great place. Uh, he was yeah, actually, but that's the point. It's actually what Danny was just saying. I think but he was he a little the, pissed off at God at I some point. I understand, but he handled Why it. Why did you ditch me? Yep. I, uh, almost uh, as exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did but in the very end, he finally said, ah, I can see your house from there. It's not bad. He <laughs> dealt like, with it. All right, That's I'll tell it my Jewish joke, and then we'll call it a day. And I, you I, tell your, tell I your work Israel with a bunch joke. of Israelis now, and it's really interesting. We have Zoom meetings all the time. And I said, here's the only Jewish joke that I know. Tell me if it translates very well. So it's about a grandmother and her five-year-old grandson that are walking down the beach, a wave sweeps the child out to sea and the grandmother's beside herself oh god and starts praying to god you can't take my grandson he's the only thing in my life all of a sudden a whale comes up opens its mouth and the child walks out on the whale's tongue and back to the beach and the grandmother looks up at the heavens and said he had a hat (laughs) (laughs) one of the great jokes of all that wraps up 104 of car selling secrets with my good friend david dana who will now be the chaplain of the tom bernard podcast show thank you very much for coming yes the time flew by and it was really fun uh no show next week i'm going to north carolina to celebrate my dad's 90th birthday but we'll be back in two weeks over and out